All right, joining us now in our second segment is someone we mentioned at the top of the show, our old pal, Mr. James DiEugenio, historical researcher and writer. He's got a wonderful piece currently that you should check out on consortiumnews.com, a rather lengthy review of Kill the Messenger, which, uh, again, I would recommend that all of you uh, pick up and read. But we're going to excerpt a bit from it now as he joins us from Los Angeles. Welcome back, Jim. Good evening. I want to start with something you, you closed with. In, in your review of the movie, which I did not know about, which was that uh, there was a discrepancy here between the national chapter of the Society of Professional Journalists and the California outfit, which which were at odds in how they were going to treat Gary Webb's story. Can you talk about that? Well, okay. This is this is what happened. The state chapter of the Professional Journalists, Journalists Association decided that Webb's story should get an award. Now, what happened is that when the backlash against the story began, okay, which wasn't until about seven weeks after the story ran originally, all right, then it got so bad, it got so bad that the national governing body decided to go ahead and back up Seppos. All right, I don't know how deep you are into this story, but Jerry Seppos was sure. the executive editor yeah, at the San Jose Mercury News. We've talked about that. Essentially, and right. essentially buckled under under the pressure. All right, And essentially, like, I don't know what a better way to say it, but essentially threw Gary under the bus. All right, Refused to run his stories, his further research on the stories. All right, And then started de- detonating the uh, website. All right, And then finally wrote a, almost a letter of apology in May of 1997. Well, anyway... The national group decided to back Seppos, and they tried to get the state group to take back the award for Gary. All right. Well, the state group would not go and do it, and so what, you had this very odd arrangement of both the executive editor, who essentially threw Gary over, and Gary getting an award from the same group. All right. right. So it was very, very strange—a strange situation, you know. Um, and so the movie depicts this, and it has Gary making this speech in which he says, words of the effect, well, I never ever wrote anything relevant enough to be attacked on. Okay, so now I know why. Okay, why well, I was never attacked before. You know, and then he hands in his letter of resignation, right. you know, in front of Seppos at the, at the banquet dinner. So, you know, I have to say, in my review... I, I I pointed out what a good scene that was, okay, the way it was so beautifully handled, right. okay, by the director, Michael Cuesta. I, I really can't say enough about this movie. I used to go to movies all the time. About the last 10 years, I haven't gone to hardly any because they're so terrible. Right. Okay, even even the Academy Award winnings ones, I don't even I don't even go see anymore. I'm with they're you. They're so bad. And so I decided not to expect very much from this thing, all right? And I can't say how surprised I was, you know, how pleasantly surprised I was. From the very opening moments, this movie is really gripping. And it's very, I guess the best way to describe it, it's really fearless. It really doesn't make any compromises, you know, with the truth. You know, and you don't, first of all, you don't see that many political movies coming out of Hollywood. But secondly, to make one as uncompromising as this was, you know, is really kind of exceptional. From the very beginning of the movie, yeah. I was really gripped because the movie begins very 
you know, electro charge with all these black and white stills, you know, these presidents declaring war on drugs, right? And then we get about halfway through the credit sequence and we see Ronald Reagan saying, uh, we've got to back these Contras because if we don't, the communism is going to gain a foothold in Central America. And of course, the underlying message is there's going to be a conflict, you know, between the desire to wipe out the Sandinistas and the desire to say no to drugs. And that's essentially what the movie's about. You know, the hypocrisy that's going to be exposed. Gary Webb, if you go to his Wikipedia site, you'll see that he, the guy won like 14 journalism awards, okay, including a Pulitzer Prize for the San Jose Mercury News as a team reporter on the uh, Loma Prieta uh, earthquake, all right? Now, he was really more or less the ace reporter for the San Jose Mercury News. And by accident, he stumbles onto this amazing story. He stumbled on a story, but when it when it started to unfold with the Dark Alliance and this 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 new thing, this this website uh, method of putting the the message out, what struck me most at the time was this is not a news story. This this has been this has been floating around for a decade now. That's that is exactly true. All right, and if you want to be absolutely accurate, it went all the way back to 1985 when it was first reported by Bob Perry and Brian Barger and the Associated Press. Okay, and then uh, it went further with the Kerry Committee report, which, you know, which is a really astonishing kind of thing if you haven't read it, okay, because he essentially comes to the conclusion that it's very obvious that the CIA has been, you know, aiding the Contras and ignoring, you know, this, the, the drug importation aspect of their operation, about which he couldn't find, you know, there's no way to deny it, he said. It, there's no way to deny it. It happened, you know. Right. Okay. And then so G Gary, you know, essentially wasn't really looking for the story. As the film shows, and it's utterly accurate, this woman calls him up, you know, one day, leaves a message for him. He calls her back, and, he, and she says, look, I, I read your story on the drug forfeiture trade. I think I got something you're going to be interested in that is even better. Okay, there's this guy, Daniel Blondon, who's testifying against my boyfriend, and he's admitted that he's a drug smuggler for the CIA during the Contra War. And Gary didn't know what to make of her. Right. Okay, you know, like you read his book. And by the way, I really recommend that everybody read his book, Dark Alliance. Right. It's really one of the best books on that subject that you're ever going to pick up. Thoroughly documented, very in-depth, extraordinarily well-written. You know, And so he didn't trust her like a good reporter... He says, well, wait a minute. Do you have any documents on this? And she goes, yes, I do. And he was, like, taken aback. And he goes, well, maybe I should go meet her. Okay? <laughs> and so that's how he begins on the trail right. of this sensational story, which, you know, he went on for a year doing the research. The San Jose Mercury News backed him up all the way, okay, because, you know, they, they smelled a real big one coming, you know. And finally... He goes ahead over three days, August the 18th to August the 20th. Uh, you know, he, he uh, goes ahead in 1996. He publishes a story, all right? And it, what really, if you weren't around back then, and remember, this is 19, the mid-90s, okay? So maybe a lot of your audience was too young to remember this. That was the first big story I can remember that exploded onto the scene through alternative, almost exclusively through alternative media. Right. 
Okay. All right. It was the, because the the um, the technical guys at the Mercury News put together a state of the art website. I guess it was really one of the first interactive websites in which they had maps, they had pictures, you know, they had grand jury testimony, they had sound files, you know, they had documents you could link to. All right, and it went crazy. Remember, this is in the mid-90s. They were getting 7 million hits a month in the mid-90s, okay, which is phenomenal. It's ironic, Jim, that had, had Gary not taken his own life and persisted like Robert Perry has done, he could have gone to a website uh, such as Consortium News and done, and done quite well for himself. David Talbot, uh, he read my review and he sent me an email. You know, he said, Jim, one of my biggest regrets with Salon is not hiring Gary Webb when they kicked him out of the San Jose Mercury News. Right. That right. was a real mistake on my part. Right. He would have been perfect for us. I have to say that in the, when Gary Webb did find his way to Sacramento uh, and, and was working for the San... You met him, right? I, I spoke to him twice in conjunction with having him come on the show. I told him I backed him up all the way. I couldn't believe what they were doing to him. He was then working for the Sacramento News and Review. Uh, I just want to ask you about something. During the course of my talk with him, I said, I can't believe that the L.A. Times, Washington Post, New York Times attacked you for not having enough documentation. I go, what do they want? The, do they want the CIA to pull out invoices? <laughs> at, That's a good one. At which, good but, but, but he actually took, he took slight offense to that, but I realized why later, because the, the whole thing, the attacks were so launched at him saying that he was trying to claim the CIA was doing this deliberately, flooding the markets of America with crack cocaine. But I ask you, Jim, isn't that hair splitting? I mean, if the CIA is looking the other way, while massive amounts of drugs are pouring into America, I mean, are they not, in every sense, a partner of what's going on, even if they're not, say, profiting well, directly. The, the, the way I put it in my review is they sanctioned it. By going ahead and, and, and looking the other way, and by not saying anything. And by the way, when the Frederick Kritz, the CIA Inspector General, finally filed his report, it was too late, of course, because Gary had already left the San Jose Mercury News, he revealed a bombshell piece of evidence. William Casey, the CIA director at the time, in 1982, let me say that again, 1982, made an agreement with the Justice Department, okay, that the Justice Department would not prosecute contra-drug running. <laughs> so in other words, he knew what they were doing, and he was trying to get other people in the government to go ahead and do what the CIA was doing, Yeah, which was essentially letting it go, you know, letting it operate. Well, because it was a higher good, you know, like right. the war against the Sandinistas. Cool. Your article points out not only is there a great issue here with uh, complicity between the CIA and, and the drug running, but how can you explain the, the reaction of the, of the media in the United States? I mean, Walter Pincus and other people like at the Washington Post, known to have an affiliation with the CIA, doing, doing their work, in essence, for them going on the attack— as you point out in your view, they uh, later were sort of not necessarily gloating, but really glad for the fact that their friends in the media had really helped them out. And they were, and they were almost surprised at how easy it was to turn the story around, to first blunt the effect of the story, and then to go ahead and turn it around and make Gary the subject of the story instead of the drug running. You know, yeah, that's right. That's a six-page report that was recently declassified 
um, several journalists got it, including Bob Perry at his website. And so I incorporated it into my review. Now, see, the thing is, we didn't know this. We suspected it because Pincus had always been, you know, like a CIA wannabe, you know, throughout his career. And that's the first attack was the Washington Post. And in that internal report, the CIA says how important that was, that the Washington Post led the way. But we didn't have it in black and white. Well, now we have it in black and white, that the CIA worked with a lot of these journalists to blunt the effect of Gary's articles. You know, and by the way, I, I, you know, I want to point out that this wasn't just about Gary's story. It also, like I alluded to earlier, it was about the rise of the new journalism yes. versus the old MSM. And, they, and Bernard Cobb, an old-line journalist, used to work for NBC News when the story was raging. Because for about seven weeks, it went on a post. And he got on one of those uh, old reporter programs, you know, like uh, Issues and Answers or Meet the Press, and, and literally said words of the effect, you know, well, when are we going to go ahead and attack this guy? So that's what they were doing. That's what they wanted to do. They didn't care if the story was right or wrong. They didn't give a damn if the story was right or wrong. You know, it's just that who does this, this regional reporter from San Jose, you know, in this Internet, you know, revolution, who do they think they are? Yeah. Are we really going to let them challenge us? They decided not to. All right. And so then, in short order, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and then the LA Times, all in the space of, man, I, I, if I remember correctly, it was like less than three weeks. Yeah, it you know, was. All yeah. three of them began to do hit jobs, SWAT team jobs, on Gary. And the worst was the LA Times. Shelby Coffey, who was the executive editor at that time, literally commissioned a 17 man. Team. Which is astounding. Team. That's astounding. That's a huge Unbelievable. team. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay? You know, to go ahead and go after Web Story. And their series it was actually longer than Gary's for three straight days. I think October 18th to the 20th or something like that. You know, they relentlessly went after every aspect of the story. It didn't matter to them that they were dead wrong. And I note in my review a couple of places where I point out that they were dead wrong. It didn't matter to them that they actually reversed what they printed two years earlier. Well, what I mean by that is Jesse Katz did a profile of Ricky Ross in 94, saying the same thing right. that Gary Webb said. But then reversed that himself. That Ricky Ross right. became the king of crack yeah. in South Central in the mid-1980s. Now, the L.A. Times says, well, Ricky Ross really was... <laughs> Right. He really wasn't all that important to the crack right. revolution in, in California. Right. Okay? They, right. they essentially right. reverse field. Yes, contrary to what you read to what you read here previously. Right. Yeah. It was Orwellian yeah. to watch. Well, Jim, I appreciate your talking to us about this. I want to refer everybody to consortiumnews.com uh, your, for your review, Kill the Messenger, Rare Truth Telling. And I hope that uh, we can bring Robert Parry who runs that website back on the program in the future, and I, I know you can help me with that. Okay, well, I will definitely try. Jim DiEugenio, always a pleasure. Okay, good night, Doug. And we've gotten a lot of feedback from you, dear listeners, about this story on Gary Webb and the movie with Jeremy Renner, but I don't think we have time to go into that today at any sort of great length, but we will hold it over for next week's program. I do want to cite in particular a note sent to us by Richard Estes, our, our good pal and fellow public affairs host here at KDVS. Uh, he sent us a review of the movie, Kill the Messenger, by Louis Project. 
who apparently titles himself the Unrepentant Marxist. The piece contains numerous quotes, which, uh, which I highly recommend, so you may want to look that up on the internet. I do want to note Richard's comment to the piece, which was that, that the LA Times supposedly assigned 17 reporters to discredit Webb. And the Washington Post and New York Times participated too. Think about that next time someone tries to tell you that the commercial media is anything other than disseminator of propaganda for ruling elites. After what happened to Webb, the shilling of the Iraq war by Judith Miller and Michael Gordon should have surprised no one. Good comment by Richard, but I, I do have to close here this segment on a, a somewhat humorous note uh, based on the next comment to the piece by Louis Proyect. One of the other Marxist readers apparently took issue with one phrase in the article. He wrote, great article, but where is the black community you speak of? I didn't know there was an entire group of people bounded by skin tone where class has disappeared. I might want to move there. That was signed, comment by Larry. And the response by Lewis Project to that entirely made my day yesterday, which was, Larry, say hello to Mo and Shemp when you see them. And on that note, let's take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Radio Parallax.